a record of the ancestors of Jesus Christ, son of David, son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac was the father of Jacob, Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez was the father of Hezron, Hezron was the father of Aram, Aram was the father of Aminadab, Aminadab was the father of Nashon, Nashon was the father of Salmon, Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David the king. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother Bathsheba had been the wife of Uriah. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the father of Abijah. Abijah was the father of Asaph. Asaph was the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the father of Joram. Joram was the father of Uzziah. Uzziah was the father of Jotham. Jotham was the father of Ahaz. Ahaz was the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh. Manasseh was the father of Amos. Amos was the father of Josiah. Josiah was the father of Jeconiah and his brothers. This was at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel. Shealtiel was the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the father of Abiud. Abiud was the father of Eliakim. Eliakim was the father of Azor. Azor was the father of Zadok. Zadok was the father of Achim. Achim was the father of Eliud. Eliud was the father of Eleazar. Eleazar was the father of Mathen. Mathen was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ. Now I know you probably didn't come to Christmas Eve service eager to hear a list of 42 generations of Jesus' ancestors. But if we're to really understand what it means for Jesus Christ to be Emmanuel, meaning God with us, it will help if we know who the us is. And if you didn't doze off during the genealogy, you might have noticed that it ends with Joseph, the husband of Mary, who is not the biological father of Jesus. So you may be asking yourself, why does it matter who Joseph's family is? Shouldn't we be asking about Mary's family? And yeah, maybe it would be good for us to know something more about Mary's family. But for the society that Jesus was born into, genealogy was determined through the father inheritances, blessings, curses, all traced through the Father's line. And as far as that society was concerned, once you were adopted into a family, you were for all intents and purposes of that family. So the family of Joseph became the family of Jesus the moment that Joseph looked at the, wife of his, at the son of his wife, called him Jesus, and accepted him as his own. And in these legal technicalities, we can already start to see what it means for Jesus to be God with us. Until this moment in the story of God's people, it has been the case that being adopted into the family of Israel bestowed a blessing from the Father onto the Son. Here, things are reversed. Here, the adoption of the Son brings blessings onto all those who have come before. God's entry into the world begins with a reversal of the way that things are. And this family 
full of human frailty and imperfections, was the family chosen by God to be the instrument of redemption for the entire world. And this is another reason for us to remember the genealogy of Jesus, to remember exactly how human this family is. One of the ways for us to do that is to remember that Joseph is not the first person to hear the words, look, a virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Those words are given originally to King Ahaz by the prophet Isaiah. Ahaz was a king during a time of war. The kingdom of Judah was besieged by Aram and Israel. Ahaz was terrified and did not know what to do. In that moment of crisis, he was approached by Isaiah, who told him not to fear, for God was with them. But Ahaz was afraid. His trust was not in God. It was in the military strength of Assyria. So Isaiah told Ahaz that God would offer him a sign. All he had to do was ask. All he had to do was trust that God actually was with them and would answer. But Ahaz did not have that trust, and so he spurned the chance to turn toward God. So God gave Ahaz a sign anyway, but this sign was a sign of rejection. The Lord spoke through Isaiah saying, Listen, house of David, isn't it enough for you to be tiresome for people that you are also tiresome before my God? Therefore, the Lord will give you a sign. The young woman is pregnant and is about to give birth to a son, and she will name him Emmanuel. He will eat butter and honey and learn to reject evil and choose good. Before the boy learns to reject evil and choose good, the land of the two kings you dread will be abandoned. The Lord will bring upon you, upon your people, and upon your families days unlike any that have come since the day Ephraim broke away from Judah. Which basically boils down to, because you did not trust me, a child will be born named Emmanuel. But before he is born, the kingdoms you fear will be destroyed. Then, after they come to ruin, so will you. So who was this first Emmanuel? It could be that it was King Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz. Hezekiah was also a king during a time of war. Aram and Israel had been destroyed. But now the eyes of mighty Assyria rested on the kingdom of Judah. Hezekiah did what was right in the sight of the Lord, just as his ancestor David had done. He removed the high places, broke down the pillars, and cut down the sacred pole. He broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made, for until those days the people of Israel had made offerings to it. It was called Nehushtan. He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that there was no one like him among all the kings of Judah after him or among those who were before him, for he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept the commandments that the Lord commanded Moses. When the kingdom was besieged, Hezekiah did not do as his father had done. He did not turn to the strength of men. He turned in prayer to the Lord. And he was mocked by the king of Assyria. He was humiliated before his people, and yet he trusted that God was with them. For his trust, God looked upon him with favor. 
Again, I know that you probably didn't come to Christmas Eve service eager to hear about the kings of ancient Judah. But this is the story of Emmanuel, the God who is with us. Emmanuel is the one who lives a life so devoted to God that we are reminded of the faithfulness of God's promises. Emmanuel is the one who is not simply with us in our joy, but in our moments of greatest trial. And in Ahaz and Hezekiah, we see the choice that we have. Trust in the God who is with us or trust in our own strength. And we could do the same exercise with many of the members of the family of Jesus. We could look at their stories and see examples of trust and courage. And we would see just as many examples of disobedience and unspeakable evil. Emmanuel does not need us to be perfect. He chose this family with its heroes and villains and said, I will work my love through them. In an act that signifies his full humanity, Jesus was born into a family full of dysfunction. This is the God who we love and serve. This is the God who loves and serves us a God who chose to enter into our lives, to know what it means to feel our struggles, to know what it means to feel our joys. And this is the miracle of Christmas, that our God is not just fully divine, but also fully human, that he would have felt all the discomforts of being born in a manger, that he would go through the ups and downs of living life, that he would experience death on the cross, all simply to know us better. So when we come to God with the pains of our life, with our illnesses, with our addictions, with our hungers and needs, we will find a God who can sit with us through that. We find a God who was homeless, who hungered, who hung out with the people that weren't considered respectable. We find a God who knew all those things and still loves us and still loves humanity. We find a God who is with us through thick and thin. But we will also find a God whose first miracle was turning water into wine at a wedding. We will find a God who was poor in money but rich in close friends. We will find a God who celebrated moments of healing and justice with people. We find a God who lived life to the fullest and who is filled with joy when we can do the same. So if there's something that I hope you can remember the next time you have a pastor who pulls out a list of names during a worship service, it's this. I hope you remember that the God who is with us has never asked us to be perfect first. God is with us through it all the good, the bad, the everything in between. And God knows what you're going through because God loved us enough to go through it all himself. Amen. Would you please pray with me? God, who is with us, help us to feel your presence in our lives. Let us be instruments of your peace to one another. As you are with us, let us be with each other and let the whole world know the joy of your presence. Amen.